Hello, welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Got a fun episode for you. Found fun and powerful, I would say. Got my buddy, Dr. John Russin, and uh, we break down how to move physical therapy forward. Even more than just physical therapy, about combining physical therapy, combining fitness, healthcare in our realm, and really the state we are in now, and some actionable steps that we can take, all of us can take, to collaborate, to integrate what we know, to get rid of a scarcity mindset, really work towards a growth mindset that will ultimately benefit our communities, will benefit our businesses. And yeah, some people will not like the entire messaging. That's okay. That comes with the territory. We get that. What I really hope is that you listen to this episode with an open mind and the stuff that you do like, please let us know. The stuff you don't like, the things you want to tweak, the actionable steps we recommend. We really would love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, so, you, as always, tweet at me at Therapy Insiders, at Dr. John Russell, and John shares all his information at the end. We really want to hear what you think of, of kind of our ideas of how to move things forward. John is coming to, to Maryland to recharge in August. So if you want to continue this conversation, if you take one of his his course, check that out. It's all on the Updoc Media website. All right. Before we get into this episode, let's hear a word from our sponsor, WebPT. All right. Check this out. Patient comes in to see you. Do the treatment. They feel great. You feel great. Everyone is happy. You submit to the insurance company everything you did. Life is good until you get your denial letter. No payment, yet everything you did was right, or at least you thought was right. So how do you run a business without proper cash flow? Well, check out a free webinar from WebPT, Down With Denials, five claim fixes to make sure your PT clinic gets paid, which is, you know, kind of important. Learn how to combat denials and really expedite payments because you should get paid for quality services, right? So again, head over to Updoc Media Podcast on the Therapy Insiders page. You'll see the webinar for free from WebPT to learn how to limit your denials and expedite payments for your quality services that you provide. Check it out, free webinar. You definitely don't want to miss this. Keep your cash flow going, keep your business going, and help the people in your community and help your business stay healthy and active. All right, let's get into this episode of Therapy Insiders Podcast with guest Dr. John Russin. Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast from Updoc Media. Got 
a kind of a special episode, no co-host, uh, just me and my buddy, Dr. John Russin on, on that episode again, coming back. And recently I did with, um, did a post for John's site, drjohnrussin.com with, uh, with my business partner at Recharge, Dr. Ryan Smith. And what, what we've been really working on here, um, at Recharge, if you've, if you've heard the story, uh, we opened up a, a brick and mortar place in, um, in my, in my hometown and in Ellicott city, Maryland. Um, we opened up Recharge, Hoko CrossFit. It's, it's an all encompassing hub. Uh, we don't, we don't even want to call it a clinic. It incorporates physical therapy, incorporates CrossFit, mindfulness coaching, but what what we're really going after is, is breaking down silos of health and being proactive versus reactive. And and John reached out and asked if I, if we wanted to write an article for a site, and we kind of talked about where healthcare should be going versus where it's been. So we need to stop spinning our wheels. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to to chat. And and John John is actually coming here himself in in August to do a, a really cool course about integrating some of these things and integrating strength training with injury prevention and really really forward thinking principles that everybody should be doing, especially as a clinician. So this is to me this is a great opportunity to break some of these things down, discuss it, really talk about some of the pitfalls in healthcare where we've been thus far and address some actionable shit of how we move forward. Because one of the biggest pet peeves I have, one of the, and John, please chime in on this as well. One of the biggest things I have, pet peeves I have is when people just talk about everything that's wrong and never provide actionable steps to how to actually move forward and correct these issues. So let's not be those assholes. Let's actually talk about some of the problems and give some actionable solutions. So welcome to the show, man. What do you say we jump right in? Yeah, man, it's good to be here. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. You have to have action. You have to take action if you're going to bitch and moan about some of the problems that we face in our industry. And it's not just our industry, you know, personal training, physical therapy, holistic health. We are struggling and it is becoming more and more polarizing to the point where people are falling through the cracks more than ever. And I think the average care across the board in health and fitness is getting lower and lower in the quality of care. But that doesn't mean that the outliers, the people that listen to UpDoc Media and the Therapy Insider podcast can't do something to go above and beyond what is the status quo of our current industry. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's we know that it's tough. Like we we know that it takes it takes time, it takes consistent messaging, it takes consistent branding, and it, it really takes a common language to to talk to people because most people have they're they're just blindsided and and comp- every single day bombarded with the various blogs and Instagrams and and all this visual stimuli that that just warps how we want and perceive things and it becomes a perception you chase unreal perceptions of what healthcare should be and that that's unrealistic and we're fighting that we know that but it but it takes you have to push that forward and you're you're kind of doing that so what what have you been doing with with your content and really your messaging to really fight all all the kind of pseudoscience and all the bullshit that that's out there with our uh, quote-unquote healthcare well i want to almost step back for a second and 
look at what I've been seeing over the last two years. So over the last two years, I've done 30 seminars in conferences where I was a speaker or a presenter. And every single time that we present, I always try to grade the room. Who's in front of me? And it's usually personal trainers, strength coaches, physical therapists, chiropractors. About 85% are the makeup of those four professions. And I always like to pull people and see one key question. Who is currently dealing with pain, dysfunction, or some kind of uh, restriction in their training? And it's about 8 out of 10 people on average raise their hands. And we look at this group that I present to as industry leaders. These are professionals in the field. And 8 out of 10 people aren't able to get what they need out of their fitness and out of their health and wellness. And these are the people leading the packs of hundreds of clients. So that's an eye-opener for me. And you know, over the last couple of years, seeing this over and over and over again, we need to start leading from the front. Our industry, the professionals that make up our industry, need to start doing things for themselves so they can start doing things for their clientele and their patient load. Because nobody wants to come to somebody that can't have physical autonomy on their own. You know, yes, we are gonna go through struggles with our own body, with our own training, and we're gonna find ways to persevere and get through that and improve. But I always say that you are your first client. And if you can't get good results with yourself in the first place, you know, what kind of results are you gonna get when you see a myriad of different dysfunctions and pain patterns that's truly the secret in our industry that everyone is in pain or dealing with some sort of dysfunction. Yeah, and that's uh, that. That's a great point. I love that line. You are your first client, and you kind of have to look at that. And I think that's one of the fun parts of our profession is that we get to experiment. We we have the knowledge base, we have the science, the education, the medical background, the foundation that most do not have. Exactly. And then. Have fun with that, you know, stop the drudgery, stop spinning your wheels, stop putting yourself in a pinhole of things you can't do and focus on what you can do. And yes, you are N equals one, incredibly biased with yourself, small sample size. We get that. We're saying, hey, have a little fun with yourself. Step out of your comfort zone because you'll be able to do that and better relate with with other people. Well, definitely, when I go out and speak, you know, maybe three years ago, I was the strength coach trying to speak to physical therapists. And more so now, I'm like, well, now I see myself as an intermediary between these two professions. And that's truly something that we need. We need physical therapists to be treating and prescribing more like strength and conditioning specialists. And we need to have our strength and conditioning and our personal training allied healthcare professionals out there acting more like problem solvers to actually stay within their scopes of practice, but open up people's physical autonomy so they're not stuck in corrective exercise rehab purgatory for the rest of their lives. I think the, the two neighboring professions here between fitness and between uh, physical therapy they're very, very much intertwined, and they're closer than we think. They're not two separate entities. They need to be integrated, and if you're not doing that, we're just leaving our results to chance. We're playing Russian roulette with somebody's longevity. If you're a physical therapist, sure, manual therapy can get somebody out of pain, but if you kick them out of the office not moving any better than when they walked in, 
you're not doing your job. You know, to the same point, if you are a strength coach and you are battling somebody through pain day in, day out, three times a week for months at a time, you're not doing your job because as we know, pain changes the perception of everything from movement to the type of uh, mental outlook that you have in your physicality. So we need to start working together. And I think what happens is uh, we, we kind of get worried that somebody is going to step on our toes if they don't have exactly the same outlooks and the same principles as we have. But if you step back and put ego aside, I think we can all be doing a little bit better in that intermediary between strength and conditioning and between physical therapy because that is what's going to be best for our clients. That's what's going to be best for our bottom lines when we actually master this type of um, this type of integrated unit, and this is what's going to help us bring the professions forward. And I'm not talking about just physical therapy. I'm talking about holistic health and wellness. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. the The point with putting eagles aside is 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 spot on. And I think w- the bigger issue here it, it's scarcity versus growth mindset. And in our fields, I feel like in that in the health fitness kind of rehab field, we've been indoctrinated with this scarcity mindset, like there's not enough people. And if if they don't come to us, they'll go to somebody else. And in reality, if we look at epidemiological studies, like people are just sedentary as hell. Like people are not doing anything, period. And there's more than enough people to go around to help to be active and healthy and moving. And like you said, that requires a reduction of ego and an increase of collaboration. Like if we work together, if if we create common threads and common messaging for our communities, I mean, it's, there's just that there's enough growth for everyone by helping other people. And we do that, things skyrocket. You know, coming from a professional and Olympic sports background and coaching, I always look back at the athlete centric model. You know, that's a term that got popularized by Sue Falzoni, who used to head athletes' performance, and it's something that's published in uh, the Functional Training Handbook with Craig Liebenson. You know, both of those people, I think, have been on Therapy Insiders in the past. Yeah, but great, great there people. Is, there is this, this notion that, you know, there shouldn't be an athlete-centered model or a patient-centered model. And that's just bullshit because in order to get world-class results that are sustainable and self-sufficient for the long term, you can't just be a one-man show. You need to be partnering up with everybody that can start moving that athlete forward, whether it be chiropractic, personal training, massage therapy, acupuncture, you know, holistic medicine, uh, primary physicians. You know, it's a team, and it takes a team to get somebody where they want to go. And I think we have a pretty good grasp of that in, uh, in high-performance sport. But you can't tell me that somebody with general fitness goals is less important than a professional athlete in terms of what they want to get out of their physicality and what they want to get out of their lifestyle. Because that's bullshit. You know, I look at my wife as an example. A mother of two, loves to train, running three businesses. Is she less important for feeling good on a daily basis than somebody who's trying to make an NFL team? I don't think so, because her longevity is more pivotal to the people around her than somebody that may be in and out of the league in one to two years. So, you know, don't discount your own worth as a client or as a professional. You know, we all need to be striving to get the very most out of our bodies, out of our function, and out of our lifestyle. 
And that's something that I think that people just, they get used to just feeling like shit. And then our clinicians and our coaches, they get used to having people feel like shit because they think that's just the norm. Feeling like shit is not the norm. And that's something that we need to make a paradigm shift with. We need to bring up the average level of people's function so they can go above and beyond what they thought was ever possible. Yeah, I, I think what it comes down to, especially w- with what you said, it's, and we actually just talked about this yesterday, Ryan and I, on our um, Facebook Live for Recharge, is really differentiating physical activity from exercise, from training. And a lot of it, obviously, physical activity comes down to a baseline level of, of kind of metabolic activity, increasing your heart rate, going beyond just standing at work or doing activities at work. It, it's having a little bit more purpose. But then you transition to doing exercises and training. You increase that purpose. You're doing something, so so therefore something else improves or you hit certain other goals. And what, what John, what I really like about your content um, is that there's, there's really no bullshit and there's no fluff. There's no complication to mastering the main lift and the main movements because I think once people get a grasp of that, that you can look good, you can feel good, you can be healthy, and it, you don't need incredibly complex things that you don't know. You can start with these, I don't want to say basic, but I'll, I'll say foundational movements that you're doing in your everyday life anyway, and then learn how to load it properly, learn how to progress it properly. And that's when professionals like yourself and other strength coaches and other physical therapists and other chiropractors come into play when other compounding variables happen, such as pain, such as limited progressions and things like that. So I think you and, and some of your contemporaries and, and colleagues that you often share and write for you, they do that. And I think that's where success happens when people see that, oh, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't no, have to it, be complex. It doesn't. And training doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, treatment doesn't have to be complicated. But it does have to be strategic. Uh, when we think about putting an emphasis on six foundational movement patterns, it's not as easy as just doing six exercises for everyone across the board like a cookie cutter. What we need more of is integrated programming where you know somebody with uh, a diagnostic capability of their background, like a physical therapist or a chiropractor, can be leading uh, the pack for the strength coach or the personal trainer when they need to. And that might look like dynamic warm-up integration. That might look like smart strength uh, prescription. That mo- might look like regeneration and uh, recovery techniques that we can start layering in. But on the same side, you know, we have to be able to program progressive strength movements. And we need to get that more from not only the clinical side of things, but also the performance and the fitness side of things as well. And that's something that we always go over, uh, especially in my seminars, is that everyone leaves with three of my systems. We have my system for getting somebody through a six-phase dynamic warm-up sequence that integrates all of the best of what we do and what we know to be preventative-based injury. So we get through foam rolling, we get through dynamic uh, stretching, we get through corrective exercise, foundational movement pattern development. All that stuff is very important, but as standalones, it's very, very limiting. We need to synergistically put these programs together. You know, the second thing is probably the most important system is the pain-free training system. 
you know, we can't just go in like meatheads and just bash our bodies up because that is going to be very low return when we're talking about long-term health and function. So when we go through, we have blueprints on how to put through individualized and customized pain-free strength programs. And then the last one, we always make sure that we have recovery on point because there's really truly no overtraining. There's just under-recovering. And when we get through, you're talking about more of like, um, no, not training, but just uh, general healthy habits, things like walking, things like mobility drills, things like foam rolling. You know, we actually put that into a system for people that they can knock out within 15 to 30 minutes that can just expedite the goals on all the other sides of the fitness continuum. I love it. And that does what we, what's kind of like the holy grail for us, at least us in the evidence-based, patient-centered approach. It's self-efficacy, right? When you do that, when you show people that, they get power over their own bodies. They get power and control over progress, over pain, over things like that through movement instead of in spite of movement. And that is incredibly powerful. You know, when I look at somebody like getting out of pain or breaking a dysfunction, uh, there are many different ways to progress and see actual notable results from it. You know, are you going to have less frequent flare-ups? That's the one that people look at the most. You know, how much does my lower back hurt on a daily basis? You know, we can reduce frequency. We can reduce severity. So when people do have flare-ups because, you know, injuries and flare-ups are going to happen, are they less severe? You know, that's another big move forward. But the one that you just touched on is can you be self-sufficient to take yourself from a flare-up to being 100% pain-free and functional on your own. And physical therapists are gonna hate to hear this, chiropractors are gonna hate to hear this, but we need to be equipping people with the tools to do things on their own, to have physical autonomy. We are not in the business of having the dependency model. You know, yes, the best practitioners out there are gonna be able to use high-performance tools to get people out of pain and to spark a change in the neurological or mechanical systems. But once that's done, we need to be equipping people with the tools to control their bodies for life. And I think that's a big thing where we think about bridging that gap. That's something that it happens on the strength and conditioning side of things. It happens on the training side of things, and it definitely happens in the clinic. But if we can have that mindset of this integrated care and having that last session being making sure that somebody can leave with tools where they're better off on their own than when they came in, and they're gonna help reduce those three metrics of, uh, you know, of getting better, so to say. You know, that's our job. And that that in, that requires, like you said, understanding of the human body that that takes science and a a medical background for us as as clinicians for pain treatment. But that also requires an incredible awareness and understanding of psychology and human relationships. Because, like you said, John, the, the clinicians, I want to say the good clinicians, the goal is to develop that self-efficacy and teach people to be reliant on it and, and kind of coach them and guide them to that point while educating them, giving them an awareness of what's happening and why it is. That, and that's empowering. But that also requires a collaboration and working together with other professionals at times because if if we're always kind of shitting on somebody else 
somebody else's approach and that confuses the consumer that confuses the patient they have no idea who to trust they have no idea what's right or wrong and again that that only is a detriment to the overall progress of not only that patient but this entire bubble that we're all kind of under which is health wellness and physical rehab type of stuff and that that's i still think that's a huge challenge that we have yet to overcome well, my goal, if I, uh, if I kick somebody out of my office, they're doing good, they're out of pain, uh, we cleaned up their movements, my goal for them is to go and use training as their maintenance. You know, it's as simple as that. You know, we shouldn't be discharging people or we shouldn't be uh, letting people out of our care unless they have something that we know that they can maintain, whether that be training, whether that be CrossFit, whether that be a home exercise program that uh, builds up foundational movement capacity for the long term, you know, it's, it's almost negligent to be kicking people out of our office into a life of sedentary living. And, you know, not everyone is gonna go and crush that Hoko CrossFit. Not everybody is gonna come in and power lift and body build with me. But everyone has to be doing something to ensure maintenance, to ensure autonomy because what we don't want to happen is that re-injury cycle and you know the cycle that people become not only physically frustrated with their body but they have a mental toll that is taken on them as well because that can be uh, you know something that is very very powerful and that can lead into a dysfunctional relationship with physicality and that for the long term is something that we definitely need to be staying away from and you know, seeing people as much as we see them in our professions of strength and in therapy, we need to be ingraining some of these habits into people before they leave our care. And and this is a perfect opportunity to, to do that. It's a perfect opportunity to build up a network of like-minded professionals instead of, again, having that scarcity model of they need to stay with me. I discharge them. If they get hurt, they need to come back to me. This is a perfect opportunity to network with yoga instructors, with personal trainers, with strength and conditioning. Dear I say, God forbid, a chiropractor, if a person just needs a, an adjustment, if they want a manipulation, you know, I might have just lost half our listeners. But that, that's, the, that's the point is, is, is work with others. You saw, did you see that article that came out about the study with yoga for low back pain is just as good, if not better, than, than physical therapy that just came out recently that just yeah. got like 90% of PTs butt hurt. And <laughs> like, I, I've had so many, so many people reach out to me, like saying, what do you think about this article? Can you believe this? And they're like, they're reacting emotionally because they get so defensive that right. another, another movement. And we're not even talking a passive thing. We're talking about yoga. That was, that was, that was designed by, by clinicians that was oversawed by MDs. Like it was, it was an incredible program of yoga. Regardless of that, my, my response was like, I look at things as net positive or net negative. Uh, there, there's positive and negative things, absolutely. Does it, does it kind of demean PT? Maybe a slight bit, not, not a ton. If you actually you know, look at even in the headline, most people, first of all, most people have an incredibly positive association with yoga. There, there's very little negative connotation with yoga. So to be associated with physical therapy and yoga together, that's a that's a positive for for physical therapy. Two, the vast majority of people have no fucking clue what physical therapists do. 
So by this study being a mainstream publication, being picked up by all mainstream outlets, having physical therapy associated with yoga, even if it's saying that yoga is as good as physical therapy for low back pain, I was like, do you realize how many people read that study and went, huh, I didn't even know people could do physical therapy for that. Like that is a that article is just a huge net positive for physical therapy. And yet people are still trying to just just fight it and saying, oh, yeah, well, they didn't do that. Like, just accept it as a positive for fuck's sake. Well, I think that we get into this misconception that yoga is a brand or physical therapy is a brand. And it is the same across the board in all 50 states in America. And if you go into a physical therapist, you are going to get the same exact care as if you went to a different physical therapist five states away. And it's not true. You are only as good as what your niche specialty is. So this is something that we don't all have to be amazing at treating every single thing. We need to know where our specialty lies. You know, using myself as, as an example, if you're a barbell sport athlete or you're a field and court sport athlete, come to me. If you're a grandma uh, and you are working on ambulation after uh, a total hip replacement, I don't have the ego saying that I know better than somebody that sees that 15 times a day. You know, we have to know our specialties, but more importantly, we need to have a network of specialists. That specialist may be a yoga instructor who really just fucking gets human movement. Because guess what? You know, yoga can be alleviating of many different pain and dysfunction if you have an instructor that knows that a cookie putter approach works for only probably six out of 10 people. So those other four out of 10 people, if they can get individualized based movement programming, they're gonna have a very, very favorable result as well. The same thing can be said with physical therapy. The same thing can be said with chiropractic. If we go in and we have a predetermined three site adjustment, that's not gonna be good for everybody. But if you go through diagnosis, movement screening, and you actually have a conversation along with your people to actually see them move, get a pain history, you know, the sky is the limit for any type of physical practice. And when we see people that come to us and they are more of that traditional uh, pain-based client, my goal for them is to leave me and I don't give a shit what kind of physicality you do. I just want to make sure that you're doing something. If you want to go and do yoga, make sure you go to the best yoga instructor and you get more customized programming in class. Boom, that's totally fine. If you want to go power lift, awesome. If you want to bodybuild, cool. If you want to go on walks with your dog and swim on Sundays, even better. As long as we're doing something and it is something intelligent and it is customized and individualized to that person, that is where we create resilience and we can keep it for as long as the person stays with that practice. I love it. I love it. Let's finish out with um, one or two of our actionable steps because we, we said we'll, we'll touch on that. One I think we already covered for me is build a network like you just said. Yes. Control the narrative. If, if you, here, here's, how I, here's how I look at it. Do not distrust profession, trust professionals. So if, if, if we say chiropractic is bad, that is an overarching unfair term because I have plenty of chiropractic friends that are incredible clinicians. Dr. Jay Greenstein at Sport and Spine here in D.C., incredible clinic, incredible guy, runs an awesome place that I would be happy to send friends and family to. 
because he, he gets it. So I, I, I don't distrust an entire profession, but I do trust certain professionals within it. Same thing with yoga, same thing with acupuncture. I might not agree with everything that is, is their, their field puts out, but it's the same thing with physical therapy. So build a network you trust. If you have local practitioners that you can send your patients to, that just that makes you a better resource for them because then when they do have something that you specialize in, like you said, John, they will come to you. When they have friends and family, they will come to you. When you put out marketing through Facebook or Instagram, they will share that. And you scale your message and your branding and your specialty of what you do and how you do it and how well you're trusted. That is my big piece. What about you? That, that is huge. Uh, creating a referral network, you know, be be a client. Go and actually test out some of this stuff. And if you make a connection with somebody and you you feel like they're your guy, that is really, really good for your patient narrative when you're trying to make recommendations. Hey, I've been there. I've experienced it. She or he is awesome. Boom. Here we go. You know, that's that's how we do it. You don't go and you don't refer people to people that you don't trust with your own body. So, you know, go be a client first. And I think the other big thing is that we need to realize that when it comes to education, we all need to be learning from the same credible sources, whether you're a strength coach, whether you're a personal trainer, whether you're a physical therapist, whether you're a chiropractor. I think that the, the middle ground is where we are truly going to grow. Because right now we do have the specialists and we do have the piss poor traditional based care all across the board and all of those different professions. But I think what we do is have, we have to move up that median marker and we need to start getting better little by little so we can make this thing more mainstream. We need to make the multidisciplinary model more mainstream. And what we do is do it by referral, but we also have to be talking and teaching the same systems. If you go in and you, get, uh, you give the same system as somebody that you're referring somebody to in terms of warm-up, in terms of self-care, then that is going to be a dynamic proposition for clients referring you back people and them getting uh, long-term results. Yeah, absolutely. And I think along with that is don't undervalue your message. And I think this is, this is rampant in, in our physical therapy profession. As, as physical therapists, we, we feel so passive and, and, and so constrained and a, a lack of enthusiasm and a lack of kind of, I don't necessarily want to say pride, but pride to scale the message right. possibly because we, we talk about amongst ourselves. We, we guard this information when somebody else says something negative, but we play this reactive defense game versus a proactive, aggressive, positive for forward moving information game, which we need to do, which is why obviously you and Kelly Starrett and um, who else guys that kind of integrating, but also pushing Stefania Bell on ESPN. Um, like you said, Sue, they're, they're pushing it forward. They're getting out there. They're putting themselves out there with a the message that we're living and sharing every single day. Anyway, if you, if you say something to a patient, that comes to see you, you should be able to say that same message to 10,000 people, to 100,000 people, because if you believe it one-on-one, you should believe it at scale. Put that message out there. Keep putting it out there, and that's the only way it grows. And for God's sake, let's make it a consistent message, like John said. (laughs) Please. 
Let's make it consistent. I think that, you know, our profession, you know, we are so highly educated. And I take great pride in having a doctor in front of my name, being a physical therapist. But, you know, that comes with challenges as well. We have a lot of smart people in our profession. We have a lot of passionate people that go into certain camps. But we got to realize that even somebody like you and I, Gene, like we're good friends. But I guarantee that you only agree with 80% of my stuff. And I only agree with 80% of your stuff. And that's probably as close as we're going to come to uh, people believing the same thing in our industry. I'd say a solid 83% with you. (laughs) But that's okay. You know, that is okay. We need to start pushing that 80% that we do agree on forward because that's how we gain momentum. And that's how we really make a huge dent in the industry across the board. Right. And, and, the, and the other 20 percent, th- this is also a, a critical point, the other 20 percent that I might not agree with, I'm going to genuinely ask why you think that way. And I might not integrate it, but I'm not going to fight you to try to convince you to do that 20 percent differently. I want to understand where the thought process is from. And if I don't agree with it, at least I have a better understanding now of, of why that is. And to me, that, that just builds that relationship more and gives me a better awareness of your, of your thought process. Exactly. And going back to the need for specialists in our field, uh, the differentiation of that 20% is usually going to come in specialty. So making sure that N equals one walks in in front of you and you evaluate and you treat them as such, that is the biggest differentiating factor. Many people that argue their principles are the same, their methods are different. Knowing the difference between those two things, that's going to solidify us as a profession. I think that's a, a good way to close it out, man. I feel like I, I feel like I vent every time we talk, whether I write for you or something. I just feel I feel I feel better. I, I feel I feel more relaxed. I got a lot of stuff off my chest. This this is good. This is good. It's a Zen moment. It's a Zen moment. So you're coming. You're gonna come hang out with us here in um, in Maryland in in August. Are we going to kind of in, in, integrate some of this stuff when you come here? What's, what's the course like? Because uh, we, we'd love to have some people come. We still have a few slots left to, to take the course. Uh, what, what's going to be going on in August? Well, we're going to be going over my systems. But also, I think the, uh, the biggest thing that I've had success with that people can walk away and start coaching and treating differently with is how to scale those foundational movement patterns that we're talking about. So we're gonna go deep dive in the screening, the assessment, the pain-free programming, and the, uh, the modification-based models on all six of those foundational movement patterns, the squat, the hinge, the lunge, the push, the pull, and the carry. You know, from there, we're gonna learn how to plug and play different strategies into the dynamic warm-up that can double as therapeutic exercise sessions for our clinicians out there, bridging that gap like we were talking about. But we're also gonna make sure that we all have a very, very good appreciation for what smart, progressive strength training is and what it is not, and how we can get the most out of it to, again, preach the model of physical autonomy to our patients and to our clients. So we're going to be packed in. It's going to be an eight-hour seminar. Uh, We're doing a training session before. We're going to get sweaty at HOCO, and then uh, we got a VIP dinner after as well. So I, I think we have something cool coming for that dinner. So I, I think we have a couple of VIP tickets left, Gene, right? We do. We have a couple. That dinner is going to be insane. Um, <laughs> if, if you enjoyed this podcast, just imagine it with a little bit more alcohol, a lot of crab cakes, <laughs> and a lot more expletives. Absolutely.
It's going to be a good time, man. Yeah, so we'll we'll get all that information up on the podcast page at updocmedia.com slash podcast with a Therapy Insiders page. Uh, we'll link all of John's stuff as always. Uh, if you have any questions, reach out at Therapy Insiders. What's what's a good place for, um, for them to reach out for you, John? Uh, Facebook's usually the best and most reactive over there. So uh, Dr. John Russin or my personal page is John Russin. There we go. John, always a pleasure, man. I am incredibly excited for, for August for you to come here, hang out, get some work working out in, and definitely this seminar. I think it's going to blow some minds. No, I, I totally agree, Gene. I can't wait to get there, man. Thanks for having me on again. Anytime, man. We'll, uh, we'll have to schedule another one so I can vent again. <laughs> Great chat with you, buddy. See you, man.